0: Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome to All About Fitness. Today on episode 39 of All About Fitness, it's just a quick fit tip where I'm going to talk about the emergence of what we had an evolution, I guess not really an emergence, but an evolution of fitness from the bodybuilding culture to the strength and conditioning culture. About 20 years ago, late 1990s, probably mid to late 1990s, if you walked into a health club, even in the early 2000s, if you walked into a health club 15, 20 years ago, you would see row after row after row of strength training machine. If you would talk to a personal trainer, you know when I first started personal training in the late 1990s, personal training programs and personal trainers were still being heavily influenced by the bodybuilding culture, and the bodybuilding culture is all about muscle isolation and trying to get a individual muscle as large or as pretty or as well defined as possible. Well, in about the early 2000s, beginning you know maybe 2003, 2004, we started seeing a change, and that was where the general fitness culture was being influenced not by bodybuilding, but by strength and conditioning. Now, strength and conditioning refers primarily to the training that athletes do off the field to get ready for their highest performance on the field. And you may or may not be aware, I've talked about this in a couple of previous podcasts, Um, Dan John and I just go into this a little bit in my interview with him, but you know, 30 years ago, check that, 40 years ago in the United States, professional athletes did not train. 40 years ago, if you're a professional athlete in the U.S., you showed up for spring training if you're a baseball player, you showed up for summer conditioning if you're a football player, and you played your way into shape. The theory 40 years ago was that if you exercised, if you did strength training, it would slow you down and make you worse for your sport. Well, the people that changed that were the Soviet Union, because in the 50s and 60s, Soviet sports scientists started realizing that the best way to enhance human performance was through strength and conditioning, was through sport specific strength training. And they started doing reams and reams and reams and years of data and collecting data and doing years of research to understand how to improve human performance. Now that was because in the '50s and '60s, we were matched in the Cold War. and the Soviet Union used athletic performance as part of the propaganda to demonstrate that the Soviets were the dominant you know the dominant country, the dominant people in the world. They then actually, you know, people, that's where we got steroids from. That's where we got performance enhancing drugs. Because what the Soviet sports scientists realized was that when you do high intensity training. It elevates levels of testosterone and growth hormone in the human body. And so, and testosterone and growth hormone will help repair muscle tissue. And so what they started doing is they started giving their athletes extra, you know, extra hormones, extra testosterone, extra growth hormone. And boom, that's where we got the steroid era. So going back to that, you know, in the in the 70s, if you're a professional athlete in the United States, you didn't work out. It wasn't until Boyd Epley, who was a track athlete and a, and a student and athlete at the University of Nebraska, Boyd Epley was one of the first ones to start implementing strength and conditioning on a regular basis with athletes. And they started noticing that the athlete that Boyd and other athletes he was working with were getting stronger. So Boyd started working with the football, with the football team at the University of Nebraska, and the modern era of strength and conditioning was born. You know the National Strength and Condition the National Strength and Conditioning Association is not quite thirty years old. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it it was only born in the mid early '80s, and it came out of uh, the Nebraska area. It's now based in Colorado at Colorado Springs, but is still a relatively young, um, a relatively young organization. And the National Strength and Condition Association is the association that certifies professional strength coaches, personal trainers. And now tactical strength coaches because in the strength and conditioning community, it's evolved. So now that, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, soldiers weren't training to go out to war. I mean, they were training, but they weren't doing specific strength and conditioning. Now there's a whole field of tactical strength and conditioning to help our soldiers, airmen, um, naval, our uh, sailors get in shape to, to be fit on the field of battle. So this is, everything has changed, you know, in in the big scheme of things. So looking, you know, if you go into a a modern fitness facility now, if you go into a big commercial gym, if you go into a CrossFit box, if you go into a fitness studio, you know, a lot of that now is being influenced by the strength and conditioning community. You know, there's a lot less influence on, or a lot less emphasis on muscle development like bodybuilding training, and a lot more emphasis on movement training or conditioning. Now, your trainer may not realize this. If you have a relatively young trainer or someone who's been you know, certified in the last two or three years, they may not know this, but what they're doing now was not being done 15 years ago. You know, Picking up a medicine ball and throwing it around the gym, pushing a sled, flipping a tire, all that stuff is relatively new. So about 15 years ago, we had this evolution from commercial fitness being driven by bodybuilding to commercial fitness being driven by strength and conditioning. Because what we started realizing, and that was my approach as a personal trainer. My approach as a personal trainer starting around maybe 2001, 2002, was I was training the everyday athlete. I would look at my clients and say, okay, what type of moves do you do that make you an athlete? So if I was working with a a parent of a couple young kids, or if I was working with an attorney who traveled a lot, if I was working with a business executive who traveled a lot, and I was working in downtown D.C., so those are the type of clients I had. If I was working with a, with a client who liked to garden on the weekends, I looked at their athletic movements, and my goal as a trainer was to help them move better for whatever it was that they did outside the gym. When they were in the gym, I wanted to help them move better so they could enjoy life outside the gym. And that's pretty standard now in, in the fitness industry. If you go work with a trainer now, a trainer is going to give you a movement screen. A good trainer should give you a movement screen equivalent to what NFL players get. You know, a good trainer will break down your program into a long-term, um, long-term periodization cycle. Periodization means that you're going to do about six weeks of one type of training, six weeks of another type of training, and you're going to go through different types of intensity, different types of exercise, because we're trying to mitigate or control the stress load on the body. All this is new. This didn't exist in the commercial fitness space until about the last decade. So if you're new to fitness and, or if you're a fitness enthusiast, You know, take a look around and see the way you're training now. And the way I always tell my clients is, you know, what would you rather train like? Would you rather train like a bodybuilder? And and I'm not knocking the bodybuilding community. If you're a bodybuilder, you guys are freaking tremendous. You guys work your tails off and you guys train harder than I could probably ever imagine to train. And I'm serious about that because that's not my goal. But let's look at what bodybuilders do. Bodybuilders walk around on the stage in their underwear. Probably about 60-70% of bodybuilding is... The exercise, 30, 40% is diet and, and other things and other ways to manipulate the lean muscle mass in the body. A lot of people don't have time for that. But what I always point out to clients is, would you rather would you rather train like a bodybuilder who walks around in their underwear or would you rather train like an athlete? Athletes make a sick amount of money for playing sports. Athletes have to be in the best shape of anybody out there. You know, if you're looking at athletes like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, you know, Brett Favre finally retired. But these athletes are now performing at a much higher level late into their years. Tom Brady's 39 years old and just won a Super Bowl. Drew Brees is in his late 30s and is getting ready for yet another NFL season. You know, what we're learning is if you apply strength and conditioning principles right, it can enhance our quality of life. So when you go to the gym now, you don't need to sit in a machine and push and pull on a lever because, let's face it, that's kind of boring. When you go to the gym now and you push a sled and you swing a kettlebell and you throw a medicine ball or you do a clean and jerk, You know, you have to thank the strength and and conditioning community for that. The strength and conditioning community had a huge influence and they still have a huge influence on the commercial gym. So that's a quick fit tip for today. I don't know if that's really a tip, but it's just talking about the evolution of fitness from being driven by the bodybuilding culture. And for the last 15, 20 years, fitness has been driven by the performance training culture. You know, if you look at the popular magazines, you know, men's health, women's health, shape, self, men's journal. A lot of them have changed. You know, If you remember articles from years ago, it, you know, they still talk about various, you know, try to tone your butt and all that silly stuff, but the, the tone has changed and they're showing much different exercises because now what we know as fitness professionals, what we know as educators, what we know as coaches, is we want to train our clients how to move better. If you move better, you'll move more often. And that's the key to true health and long-term wellness. So if you're thinking about starting a fitness program, or if you're doing a fitness program, or you're looking for a way to kickstart it, change it a little bit, I would encourage you to try to get out there and figure out what it is to train like an athlete. That's one consistent theme between all my guests on this show. If you go back to earlier episodes with Dan John, Mike Boyle, Nick Tuminello, um Todd Durkin, all those guys work with top athletes in the, you know, in, the, in the country. If it works for top athletes, it's going to work for you. We just have to scale it to your current, your current level of condition and your current fitness level. So quick fit tip for today is we should be training like athletes, not bodybuilders. And we have a huge, huge, huge thank you to say to the strength and conditioning community for driving commercial fitness away from the era of muscle isolation and towards the era of human performance and human performance training. So that's episode 39 of All About Fitness, quick fit tip. I'm Pete McCall. Thanks for tuning in. And keep an ear out for future episodes of All About Fitness. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's PeteMC underscore fitness. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's McCall underscore fitness. My email is Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. And my website obviously is PeteMcCallFitness.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. And please tune in for future episodes.